All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Hit Factor podcast. Uh, tonight we have a special guest. We have Mr. Charlie Perez. Hello. Uh, tonight we also have uh, Jeremy Reed. Going on. And I'm Jason. So we're just going to get into this and ask Charlie some questions and see where it goes. All right, and Charlie Perez is way too formal of a name. I don't know how anybody calls him Charlie, so he'll be here forth with referred to as Panda. Uh, so, so Panda is Panda's been man. Panda's been in the sport for quite a while. Uh, I'll let him kind of talk about how long he's been. But he's been in the sport a while. I, man, I shot with Panda early on in my career. Uh, I don't remember what the first match we shot together was, but it was pretty within the first couple of years and we've we've shot together a whole bunch of times uh gm he's a gm limited shooter multi-time top 10 limited nationals um former match director uh and he ran a fantastic match the mile high showdown was a was an awesome match and uh hopefully he'll be match director again sometime in the future and i'm already campaigning for charlie for president so uh fully better watch out because panda's coming for your job uh, Perez. So is that wow Perez for Prez? No thanks. Yeah, Charlie for president. <laughs> that's too uh, much responsibility for me. That's well, that <laughs> might be true. Uh, so, so the opening question, Charlie, is uh, I mean, I kind of gave you a small a small introduction, but basically, kind of what has your involvement in the sport looked like? So, like how long you've been in the sport? Um, you know what you've achieved? Uh, kind of going as far as like. You shoot limited division. Why do you shoot limited division? Uh, what does your practice schedule look like? Just kind of a, an overview like that if you want to get into it. Sure. So uh, I started shooting USPSA in 2008. And um, I started out just like pretty much most other people like shooting production. And I, that lasted like I think a grand total of three matches before I was like, I don't want to do these reloads anymore. So, hey, wait, real quick. Do you know your uh, – because you're a life member now, I think, right? Yes. But do you remember your original number? Uh, it was an FY68 something. Something like that. FY? Isn't F for foreigners? Uh, it might have been a TY. I think I did a three-year to start off with, the TY, whatever. Oh. It was 68786 or something like that. So, yeah. Why is A69716? So we were maybe really, really close. Yeah. You're but, not you're older, but you're older than me. I know yeah. I'm like I'm like a geezer so yeah <laughs> but I, I started in, in 08 and <clears throat> I shot production for uh, enough matches to get classified as like C or D or something like that and then I started shooting limited because um, I like to shoot lots of bullets and uh, I don't like to do a lot of reloads that's how we started off with this thing and I've pretty much been an exclusive limited shooter through my whole tenure of this game and uh, I've dabbled in other divisions here and there and a little bit of long gun stuff, a little bit of, you know, open stuff, that kind of thing. Just enough to kind of like learn those other things a little bit and like what they're about, that kind of thing to primarily like help me teach other people in my big pan of performance training business and that kind of stuff. But um, pretty much I, I enjoy competition shooting. I enjoy the people that are in the sport. I think that's a really cool aspect of it. You know, there's a lot of genuinely good people. And um, <clears throat> I, I really like the aspect of, you know, working with, you know, trying to maximize performance with, with mechanical stuff, you know, having this explosion go off in your hands and you got to hit stuff and, 
all that kind of thing. And you I, are I, a tinkerer of all tinkerers. Yes. Yeah. There, there yeah. isn't much that my Dremel has not touched. <laughs> <laughs> the gunsmith's worst nightmare. Well, hey, you got to keep you in business somehow, That's right? True. <laughs> That's true. But I, um, you know, I, I learned early, in Colorado, they, you know, to get access to the props to practice and stuff. The like one of the benefits of being on one of the club boards is that you get access to the props to do your own practice. So I, I learned early on that, hey, you know, if I really want to take this stuff serious and be able to have access to the stuff, I got to be involved in running the matches and stuff. So, you know, I've been involved in the boards of the clubs since the first year I started shooting this game. And today I'm a, a president of one of our local USPSA clubs. So I, I run those matches, you know, every month and, you know, I've done the Mile High Showdown many times in the past and we're actually doing it again this year you should come up and do some shooting with us jeremy when is it it's uh september 19th or 18th through the 20th so okay i think that's then the weekend the week after where they move single site nationals to yeah see you'll be back if you i don't it. yeah i'll look because they just well they just canceled bighorn which is a huge, yep. massive bummer because we were going to show down in limited I know. And Bighorn was going to be a massive showdown in limited division. I know. Have like have Bob Pro, like Kenny three Perry. top ten guys from this yeah. year. You and then I was going to be a schlub carrying up the end, but it was going to be a. <laughs> so I switched it. So they canceled that thing, and I immediately signed up for the Texas Open. So you need to sign up for that. That's the same weekend. Oh, it is. Yes. I so may let's, well. Let's I'll look and there, see. Man. I'll I'll look and see. I may go. To, I may still go to Colorado and go fly fishing because I was going to oh, do that geez. that weekend. Too. You could do that any other weekend, dude. We'll see. We'll see. I know your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know that's the the quick and dirty of me. Like um, I, I like to shoot. Um, my motivation for doing this is probably different than a lot of people. Other people's like to me, it's it's a hobby even though I take it really serious and it's my escape from my everyday work, like gives me an opportunity to tinker on stuff and try stuff and ruin a bunch of parts and figure out what doesn't work. I mean, that's, that's half the, the battles figuring out what doesn't work to find out what yeah, does for sure. And uh, yeah, and I, I always like striving for the new, you know, kind of like maximize your performance kind of stuff. Like I think a lot of people are, are like super biased towards having match motivation you know, they're going to motivate yeah. their practice and stuff where, you know, for me, like we we're on, we haven't had any matches here since the whole COVID thing started, you know, so I've been just in this solid practice mode and it really hasn't changed my, my enjoyment of the game. So I think there's a lot of people that are just sitting around with their thumb up their butt, just waiting for the next match to come up. So you don't find matches to be necessarily your main motivator in this sport. No, it's kind of weird because I, I obviously I shoot a crap ton of matches every year. Like I usually shoot about fifty club matches and at least twelve to fourteen majors. Wow! So I've I've a super high participation level in matches. Yeah. But I, I don't really, you know, treat them as goals. Like oh, I really want to win this match, or I've been training up really good for this one match. Like I, I try to take the the philosophy of like being always prepared. You know, like I don't take an off season in the winter time and that kind of stuff. You know, so that, like I know a lot of guys get like if they stay like mega involved, like through the whole year, then they get burnout mode. 
that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, for me, I just kind of meter my engagement through the whole year so it doesn't burn me out. And I, I know that if I take a big chunk of time away from the sport, then I'll get interested in something else and then I'll be off doing something else like competitive basket weaving or something like that. <laughs> I can see you doing that. Yeah, hey. Uh, so, okay, so I got a couple of questions on this. So it's interesting to me that, that a guy that with your level of involvement, because holy cow, you shoot a lot of matches. Like I think I shoot like seven local matches a year and maybe like eight majors if I'm lucky, like 10, like is like what I get to, but I don't have a lot of locals local to me. But um, but it's interesting to me that the comment that you like that you treat it like a hobby because when people like talk to me about it, and they're like, is that your hobby? It's like, man, I really don't feel like hobby is like the amount of effort that I put into it. Like hobby is not like the right word. I mean, obviously we're not making money at this sport. Um, so, well, so, I mean, that gets to the definition of it, right? You know, what is I it? mean, a little bit. Uh, no, man, it's a lot of it. I mean, if you're not out there making the cheddars by slinging lead down range, it's a fucking hobby, buddy. It's a hobby. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I, I think it's more of a lifestyle, man. I'm like, it's a passion. <laughs> it, it's a passion for Jeremy. Well, it totally can be a passion. There's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I, maybe people get you know, caught up in the semantics of words, right? Yeah, it could you know? be. It very well could be. Uh, but, but I find it interesting though. But I, I wonder if though, if, if just, if treating it as a hobby is actually beneficial. Um, and just taking a little bit of the pressure off yourself at matches to perform, maybe like, these you're like, look, this is just a hobby. Like I'm here to have fun. I've worked hard for it and I want to, I want to do well. Um, but if I don't, it's, it's just a hobby. So no big deal. Whereas like I go into it and if I shoot, I mean, I train for that. Like I don't level twos are like locals to me, like airy matches. That's a local match. I don't, that's just training for, I want to shoot well at nationals in the world shoot. Um, so I end up. Which good or bad, good, bad or otherwise, they end up getting the nationals, and there's a massive amount of pressure to try and do well because it's like this is the one match of the year that you want to do well at. That's um, fail both city, buddy. I mean, uh, I mean in you have some to be ways, going into the nationals, I shouldn't like we, we're using the word nationals, but that could be for anybody. It could be like state match or their section sure. match or the world shoot or sure the intergalactic championships or whatever it is. But if if you put an artificial importance on any one event that is abnormal yeah. to what your normal thing is, all you do is manufacture a bunch of pressure, which in turn manufactures a bunch of distractions, right? So there's no way, like, all, and it, it's unfortunate because it circumvents all that hard practice you did before the match, right? I mean, you work really hard at improving your skills or figuring out your equipment or whatever, you know, your challenges are with that. And then you go to a match and you're like, oh, I've been training up for this for the last three months and it's got to go good. And you can't, you can't even enjoy it. Right. You know, I'm yet to pull out of any major match, drive out of there and watch in the winter, you know, hauling a boat behind him. Right. Or yeah. you know, a suitcase full of a million dollars. What is on the line is nothing. Right. And, oh, and the reality everything. of, you know, when you look at the results list, are you looking at somebody else's name when you first look at that list? The answer is no, right? You're just looking at your own name. So oh, in the end, I'm it's really just down to what in. you're I'm looking at. I'm at all the names in front of me. <laughs> no, that's afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but the only difference is whether you're starting at the top of the list and looking down or starting at the bottom right. and looking up. Right? That's right. But that, I think that's where, 
you know, in, in my training stuff I do with a lot of other people, like there's a lot of really solid shooters that in practice, they, they're like boss status. And mm-hmm. when they get into a match, they manufacture all this craziness and they just can't perform. And, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, they're neutering their ability to shoot and perform subconsciously. Right. Yeah. They put in all the effort to be able to do it, but they've manufactured enough manufacturing uh, manu- uh, distractions to keep them from shooting or moving or you know, gun handling in a sub you know, subconscious manner. Now that's why for me, maybe that's the magical keyword for me or whatever, that it's a hobby is that, Hey, you know, yes, I practice this stuff like crazy and I spend a bunch of money on it and time and sacrifice my family's time and that kind of stuff to, to do this hobby quote unquote. Right. But when I go to the range and I, there's definitive times, like when I go to practice, there's definitive times during that where it's push, try the stuff that I can't do currently. Let me see, try to push through limits. And then there's also a side of it that's like match mode. Like I'm going to execute it my 95%. And I know I could do 10 times out of 10, and this is going to get the job done in a match. And there's a lot of dudes that just don't do that. Right? Yeah. Like they're, they're in push mode all the time and maximizing stuff when nothing is on the line, right? In their brain, so to say. And then they get to a match and they, they buckle. You know, yeah. I've seen so many dudes just buckle under manufactured stress. Yeah. So, have you ever buckled under like your, is that something you dealt with early on? Maybe you, you learned what you're talking about here and you got through it. Absolutely. I mean, it's a learned, it's a learned thing, right? You've got to get yeah. used to the, the, the things that key you up, right. And get you worried and, and use your tools to mitigate that stuff. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, it could be a memory stage. Like you're talking about a memory stage before the show. You know, if you're really whacked out about memory stages, you, you know, you got to get on that thing and spend as much time as you need to make you yourself feel comfortable about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, or it could be, you know, oh, I'm shooting in this classification and there's four other dudes I know that I have a hard time beating and use that to kind of like create some weird pressure on yourself because somebody else is at the match. I mean, a- anybody can have a match of their day or the worst match of their life. You know, there's nothing you can control about that. But, you know, for me, I, I came from a prior hobby of, of racing radio control cars competitively for almost 20 years. So I came into the shooting sports with that competition brain, that winning and losing and being able to win gracefully and lose gracefully and learn from those lessons. So I think that from like, an, I had a pretty good advantage of our, over other newer shooters that came into this sport from other hobbies that were not as competitive. And they have to learn that competitive brain side as well as all the shooting skills and movement skills and everything else. It just makes it really difficult for them. So for me, it's not like I don't feel like going to the nationals and shooting on the super squad is no additional pressure to me than going to a club match and shooting with my buddies or shooting with people I don't even know. I mean, to me, it's it's the same pressure because I, I need to be in control of that. Like, I always look at every stage as me versus the stage and nothing else because that's the only thing I can control. It's a good right? way to look at it. If a dude in front of me burns it down and has a completely different stage plan than me that I didn't see, then hooray to them. Yeah. They, they figured it out better. You know, and, and in the end, we can shoot these most of the stages in many different ways using different styles that ultimately result in a very similar 
high hit factor. So a lot of people can get super sucked into those semantics of, oh, this this style of shooting in this stage. I'm going to go here first. I'm going to back out on these things, and that's going to be the best thing. Well, the reality is if you set that stage up in practice and shot on all the different possible ways, it, it like the majority of the time, it's those performances from an, an ultimate result perspective, hit factor perspective is going to be very similar. So in the end, it really doesn't matter what the style is. What matters is the execution of that style, right? That's why, you know, I'll, I go to any match, somebody, my, my number one competitor can come up to me and say, Hey, what's your plan for this stage? I'll tell them my exact plan and all the important pieces of my plan that help me execute the thing. Because I know deep down that it's not my stage plan that's winning that stage. It's my ability to execute that stage plan that's going to win it. And if somebody else executes a stage plan better than me, awesome. Congrats. You know, I'm a spectator just like everybody else. I like to see maximum performance. I like to see people knock it out of the park. Right? My, my, my you know, arch nemesis competitors on the score sheet are the same dudes that I'm patting on the back during the match saying, dude, that was an awesome run. Who you know, is your stuff. arch nemesis, Banda? You are, Jeremy. No. <laughs> <laughs> is that why Jeremy yeah, I, shoots single stack? That's right. Yeah. Jeremy can run that single stack like a boss, man. Especially, I mean, him and his reloads, like you get a stage that has enough movement to make the reloads agnostic. Like I've shot enough matches with Jeremy to, to know that if there's a stage that has kind of movement agnostic reload scenarios, his stage times are going to be almost identical to a limited gun run. Hopefully. You know, so, and then when he gets a limited gun, then it's even more fun because he's come from the division where, Hey, you actually have to fucking aim all the time. Right. <laughs> and so that, then he aims all the time with a limited gun. That's really lethal. That's right? the problem is I don't, I get that limited gun. I'm like, Ooh, I got all these BBs. I don't have to aim no more. That's, <laughs> that piece is still, I got like five extra rounds for that. There's just, just start slinging rounds at it. Uh, it's also part of the entertainment, right? It is. Like that your, is all your squad mates succeed and fail. Oh right? my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it for sure is. Uh, so, okay. Kind of, kind of going with that. This kind of plays off of that a little bit. I'm skipping a question. I may come back to, but uh, what's the best match you've ever shot? Best match I've ever shot. Um, I think my best match was a club match probably three or four years ago where there was only one stage that had one transition, like a wide transition that was like, I wasted a little bit of time on that. But that, like that window of opportunity was like the kind of, to have the context of that, that was a five stage match, mm-hmm. right? So to be able to say, I could not, draw the gun or grip the gun or transition the gun or see the sights or all those different variables the best that I could for four out of those five stages. To me, it's, that's like winning the lottery, right? Yeah. I I think that, I mean, you've shot enough and, and Jason's probably shot enough to know that every single match is a collection of failures, right? I'm yet to see anybody walk out of any match and say, oh, yeah, I just killed every single stage. I could not have done it better. And if they do say that, they're fucking lying. 
right? <laughs> or they're just or not they're... paying attention to their skills. Exactly. They're, exactly. Yeah. Right. So yeah, for me, I I like to attack the stages, and maybe this is kind of like a pre like manufactured pressure thing. Like I learned early on in the game that, and and I actually learned this from Manny Bragg. I took a lot of classes from Manny Bragg when I first started, and he had this kind of mental strategy of instead of thinking about your match performance as an accumulation of stage runs to think of it as I've already won all the stages. What am I going to do to retain those stage wins? Does that make sense? So it's almost kind of like flip-flopping that mindset of, of, oh, i got to build the performance and build it and build it and build it and build it versus I've already won it. How am I going to preserve it? And to me, that resonated really good because that allowed me to do a, a way better job of assessing risk. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I already, if I had the thought of, oh, I already won the stage, do I want to take this risky shot or run up a little closer and get a guaranteed good hit? Then that allows me to assess that risk better and say, I'm just going to run up and get the easier hit or not do stupid stage plans or, you know, whatever that issue is with the stages. So I, I like to, I use that in combination with treating each stage as a separate match. Right. So stage one is match one. And that helps me leave whatever baggage is associated with that stage on that berm. You know, when the baggage could be good or bad, right? It could be bad. I missed a bunch of steel or I flubbed a reload or whatever that baggage is that's negative baggage. Or it could be good baggage. Like you murder a stage and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't even have to fucking aim anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you go to the next stage and it's a train wreck. Right? So treating each stage as a separate match for me really helps me leave the baggage on the berm, good or bad. And that allows me to have a way more consistent performance through a whole match, especially when yeah. we get into these bigger multi-day matches. Like a lot of dudes get super like, like roller coasty around their confidence on multi-day matches. And it, it's a lot of it is because they're thinking in this mindset of I'm building a result, right? Just like yeah. we talked about before, instead of just, Ignoring whatever happened that last berm, it's gone. Whatever happened yesterday, it's gone. Yeah, I do think that. I mean, people people really struggle with that, and often it, man, it bleeds over, and they lose. You lose. You end up losing so many more points because you're mad about what you did before, and rather than that, just being okay, I, I lost forty points. So what? Uh, I'm gonna go just go forward and do what I can. Um, they end up losing sixty, seventy, eighty. Just it it piles on, uh, and they can't dig themselves out. Uh, and that's uh, and I think that's natural. It's kind of a hard thing to do. Even I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to forget. Uh, you know, messing up really bad at a nationals where, like, like Jason's last nationals. Uh, what you 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 skip two targets? Is that what you I, did? I skipped a target. Yeah, I you forgot skipped a target. A target. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of FTE two mics. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, that's kind. You know, that's kind of rough. To uh, I was hot. I was pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> You weren't giving out hugs. I was not giving out hugs, and I may or may not have launched some ear pro. Uh, I was pretty mad into the side of the berm. Uh, it was our last stage, so it, it was of the day. So that that helped me get over it, or at least didn't carry over into this rest of the stages that day. Yeah, yeah that's probably fortunate. It was very fortunate, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, but there's what happens? Well, sorry, sorry. I mean, there's also stuff that's way out of our control, right? Yeah. You know, like this last nationals in uh, Utah, 
uh, I had injured my knee, my right knee. I, I had a partial tear on my patellar tendon where it attaches to my shin in um, October before that nationals. And I'm hobbling around. It hurts like hell. I can't squat. I can't kneel on that knee without like Tweety Birds and stars going above my head. And I, it was super bummer for me because I knew that that injury in itself was at least a 10% donation in performance just because I couldn't physically move around as aggressively or that kind of stuff. And to make it even worse, I mean, we had what, two or three stages that had hard kneeling, hard support crap, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, or super jungle run, haul ass, you know, run as hard as you can where you, you know, and that's, that's where you go into the match and you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm starting this race with one, you know, flat tire already out of four. So, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, but along those lines, meter your expectations, right? You know, I didn't expect coming out of that to, you know, make the top 10 out of that match because of, of that. And maybe not expecting to make the top 10, maybe not make the top 10, you know, but all I know is that I, I'm getting vintaged enough to know that a nationals was not worth you know going for broke and go and getting a full tendon tear yeah. right like there were stages where i could have run harder i could have slammed my knee down in the dirt and i could have done things that would you know could have completely crippled me right and, yeah. and would impact me for many months down the road and i just wasn't it wasn't worth it to me right so i was there as a, a spectator trying to do my best you know, at it. And, and I knew that my injury was a, an issue and we're all, we're always faced with that, right? There's always that, whatever thing that's happening with us, you know, and, you know, a good analogy would be like having gun issues, right? You're battling some weird gun issues or you have a cold going to a match or, you know, whatever, right? Or you, you get on the, the good squad pick or the good schedule pick and it rains, you know, heavy downpour versus the other squads don't get it you know it's just the luck of the draw and that's part of the sport i'm gonna be okay yeah. with that yeah definitely um okay so so we've we're kind of talking about nationals uh you shot a bunch of nationals i don't know how many you've shot but you shot a bunch um enough that you've probably shot ones where you've shot well felt like you've shot shot been happy with how you shot maybe uh mm -hmm. and then probably some where you've underperform what you expected of yourself um yep. so so i'm curious in how do you, how you react so i mean and oftentimes well it doesn't sound like you have an off season but i mean nationals is typically kind of the last big match of the year uh and even if you're you might have area two after it uh you know but but really it's kind of nationals kind of the, the accumulation of the year for the most part um so then when you leave in a big match like that and you've underperformed what you expect uh, how do you react to that? Uh, how do you, do you take time off? You just pick up the horse and get right back on the horse or what? take my ear pro and launch it in the berm. Take your ear pro and <laughs> launch it in the berm. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm, I'm my own worst critic in that manner of if I'm having repeated failures, like there's, there's luck in everything, right? You know, mm -hmm. we've all had that, that heartbreaking edge of a no shoot perf hit you know that if it was a millimeter away then it wouldn't have been or a mic in that same manner if it's just barely on the delta or whatever right there, there's that luck factor of it like that stuff that doesn't get me worked up hardly at all because that's just part of it 
we're racing sure. guns. And when we're racing guns, sometimes we rub into the guardrails, right? Yeah. And if you're not willing to push it to that level, you're just not going to win. You're, right. you're never going to reach maximum performance unless you're willing to, you know, run it like a rental, right? That's yeah. part, <laughs> part of it. But the, you know, as far as, you know, I, I really can't think of too many matches where I came out of there like I couldn't, like I kept failing at something that wasn't in my control. Right. Like I've had matches like I think you might have attended this matches a couple of years ago where there was the Utah State match in Salt Lake City. And uh, I was on a PM schedule and I came to the range and it was hot. It was like a hundred degree day or something. And I came to the range super early. I got there at like nine because I wanted to check out some of the stages had movers. I didn't get to see and that kind of stuff. And I didn't drink enough water. You know, and I was by the time we started shooting the PM schedule, I was wasted. I was done. Yeah. I basically donated that whole day of shooting because I was stupid. I, yeah. I dehydrated myself before I even started shooting the match, you know, and it's those kind of lessons that I take away and say, well, I'm not going to be dehydrated again in a match. So what do I got to do to keep me from doing that? You know, whether that's not go to the range so early or go to the range, check out what you need to do and then leave the range or mm -hmm. bring five gallons of water to the range and just keep drinking like crazy or whatever that, result is for that but you know for you know certain target conditions like in my place and or my tenure in this game i'm yet to really go to any kind of major matches and see shooting challenges that i haven't seen before mm -hmm. or difficulty of targets or you know that kind of stuff you know i've like i said i go to a shit ton of matches and i see a lot of different stuff and i i, I pretty much know with a 99.9% .9 accuracy of, you know, what are we going to get tasked with shooting at? You know, so I, I bias my practice toward the bulk is, you know, what, you know, what types of targets and difficulty of stuff and what is a quote unquote hard shot, like a normal hard shot in a match versus some anomaly. Like there's always some weird match that some dude puts a plate at like 50 yards or some craziness like that, or, you know, it is what it is. You know? But, you know, so, I come away from those matches, not in a manner of like, Oh, I beating myself up because I should have practiced that more. This or that. I really look at it as lessons. Right? And I, I write them all down and I have a little notebook I put in my range bag. And at the end of the day, I write down all the things that kind of kick my butt, or maybe it was a stage where I even succeeded at and did pretty good at, but I thought mm, maybe I could have done a different strategy in this one section of the stage. Mm -hmm. I'd set that up, I'd write that down. And then I, when I get home, I'll set that up in practice and really, beat it up all the different ways and say, well, which way was really better? Which way could I do 10 times out of 10? You know, and to me, that's the enjoyment of it. Right. And maybe it's kind of a little masochistic perspective of knowing that every single match is going to have some train wreck in it. Right. <laughs> I mean, even the top shooters, dude, I mean, you watch those guys berm to berm to berm, watch shoot their whole match. Each one of those guys has some screw up going on, you know, and for one, whatever weird, piece of that of, of my like of the sport i like that i, I exactly. like that even at the top of the game these guys are are pushing so hard that they're not playing the safe bet right? yeah they feel like they have to li like let it all hang out when it needs to hang out and sometimes it doesn't hook up right? yeah yeah for sure i mean that's that's been a a bit of a revelation in the last few years for me is just that man you can't go at least me, maybe some people, maybe some people can, but I can't go to a, 
a match like a nationals and play it safe and do well at all. Like I kind of, you got to hang it out there. Um, and trust in your, trust in your practice that you've practiced the hard stuff well enough that you can, that you can hang it out there and, and not make, not make too many mistakes and then live with the ones that you do. Cause it's gonna, and that's, that's part of it. Is I, I think for me a little bit is like, I had to get to a point I accepted that like misses are going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, if you're, if you're going as hard as you can, uh, even if you're going at 95%, you're probably still going to have over the course of a three day match, uh, you know, 20 stages, you're still going to have a miss, uh, most likely, uh, some people yeah, may I mean, not, but you think about like happen. the nationals is usually a pretty high round count match. It's like four fifty five hundred rounds. Yeah. Sometimes more. Right. Think of just yeah. think about your own practice. Like, oh, I'm going to go out and practice, bring 500 rounds and push it to the ragged edge and not have a mic. Good luck. Right. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Right? You might be able to hook up once in a while doing that. But I mean, the, like you said, you can't, you know, rein it back to the, that 80% and chug along and hope that that's going to be good enough or safe enough to do well. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be definitely got to be at a point that you're accepting that the mics may happen in, in my opinion. Now you may pick and if you're, if you got enough control, you may pick and choose a few, a few targets. You're like, no, I'm hitting the dead center of this target. Cause it's, you know, 15 yard zebra, 20 yard zebra, or something like that. And you're like, no, I don't need to, I don't need to hammer this target hard. Like that, that's not, that may not be worth it. You don't um, want a 15 split on that? Come on. I mean, I like to see at least a sub 20 on a 15 yard zebra. But it'll but look good on Instagram, man. That's, that's really my main motivation. Uh, now that was, we've kind of already talked about a little bit of our motivations in the sport. Uh, but yeah, like what is your main, my main motivation is, is getting those videos for the gram. Uh, Cause if it can look good on there, then that is then like chicks are coming to you like sponsors like money's flowing in like it's it's as good as it gets sweet has that been your that's been charlie you split pretty hard that's been your experience right no i just it makes me giggle when i shoot really fast (laughs) i find it entertaining for sure (laughs) uh okay so uh what is your practice schedule look like so you shoot you're saying you shoot year round um so and you got to be putting quite a few rounds down range so just like a year on a year on a year level what is like like round count like that sort of thing look like so you uh, track that i you know i i'm not like a super religious round count tracker i can like know what quantity of bullets i've ordered (laughs) kind of thing not not so much like, like i'm not writing down round count per practice session and that kind of thing but um I, I don't, my, my quote unquote local range is 50 miles away one way. So it's not something that I can just jump in the car and go out there and spend five minutes or 20 minutes or an hour and then come home. Right. It takes an hour to drive out there. So it's my, my practice is my live fire practice is basically like, it's a dedication of at least, you know, four to six hours of range time which in like I have a day job, so I, I can't just be like, Oh, peace out. I don't need to pay check. I'm going to go shoot bullets. No, I have to wait until I have time off to do that. Right. And usually for me, that's weekends. Yeah. Right. So they're like, I'll go out, I'll pick a weekend day. And usually once a week, sometimes twice a week, like during this COVID stuff going on right now, I'm going out both Saturday and Sunday every weekend. And I'm spending six to eight hours a day on the range on those days, just getting to town. And, um, so for me, I don't 
in that manner, like from a, a numbers perspective, last year I shot about 50,000 rounds in limited. Okay. And that was a heavier than normal kind of year. Like usually I'm in the, that 25 to 30,000 round perspective. And, yeah. but I, I honestly can't say that shooting between 20,000 more rounds made me that much better. I, I really can't say that that's true. It just, I had a, that much more opportunity to practice more. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It, did it, the, where I'm at in my skill set, and I don't want to say I'm the best shooter ever, but I think I'm, I do pretty good. Where, where I'm at in my skill set, I don't need to improve the speed of my draw or my splits on the target or my transition between, tar- you know, all those super fundamentals that a lot of people actually struggle with quite a bit. What I bias my practice towards is maximizing consistency, right? Being able to do stuff 10 times out of 10 and run at that 98, 99% of my capability and still hook up and have that occasional mic. Oh, well, oh, shucks. But to be able to perform at that level, because that's what we need at the major matches and all the matches really. So that's my focus right now. And so when like I post up a lot of videos on my Instagram, like of, of what I'm practicing and right now it's stage stuff. Like I do a lot of large field course stages that are a ensemble of a bunch of different skills that you're hammering on. And that's where I'm at, you know, and my goal in those practice sessions is to say, okay, these next eight runs or 10 runs, they count for score. Right. And and I want those runs to be within about three or 4% of each other. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if I can achieve that, then I, yes, I'm, I'm achieving that goal of that practice session. And unfortunately doing that consumes a lot of ammo. And that's why, you know, my round count has been up more than, than other in prior years because building yeah. that consistency perspective, you know, for me, I, I need like more, a, a higher duration of subconscious execution, if that makes any sense. Like some guys can do a, a, a like a bill drill or super fast, like El Prez or something like that subconsciously, but that's like a three or four second thing, right? I need, you know, 20 seconds subconscious execution or 30 seconds of, you know, so that's kind of like what I've been focusing on lately, personally. So, I, you know, I really don't do shoot a lot of drills. Like, you, I don't, you don't see me out there doing doubles drills or accelerator drills or whatever, you know, drills are out there. Um, I've done that in the past. And I'm not saying that those are bad things. They, you know, we all have that phase in our skill set that we got to learn that stuff. And you got to shoot a shit ton of rounds to figure that stuff out. But that's not where I'm at currently. Yeah. Like in my dry fire at home, I, I'm not too often I'm like putting on my belt and doing gun handling stuff. Like more so I'll just have a gun in my hand and I'll be doing movement around my house, replicating like entries and exits of positions and that kind of stuff that kind of make, make that type of body movement and upper and lower body segregation during that movement seem more, more natural. Like it's not something I have to turn on during match day. It's just what I do normally. Like if, if I go yeah. down and, and I'm hungry and I want to go open that fridge door, I want to open that door with the same kind of stance that I'm using to like enter a shooting position. If I can do that subconsciously, I'm like, hey, look at that. I could have shot this fridge like a boss. <laughs> now I'm just going to see my face. Do you slam the uh, do you slam the uh, refrigerator door open like it's a prop door? <laughs> no, no. I've been bitten by that in the past. 
I we bet. Rough props <laughs> and then you get some weird failures. Get stages thrown out. I got, got two stages thrown out at a match once because I was too rough on their props, and then that didn't make people happy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, going back like to the like the yearly round count. I've and I've talked to some other some other top level guys that shoot a lot. Like I really think that thirty thousand round count uh, threshold is is really that's that's really about what it typically takes for somebody to to shoot at the highest levels. Is you typically need around that that twenty five to thirty thousand rounds, um, and then over that the gains that you get in shooting past that are very small. Um, yeah, like the, it's 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 pretty it's pretty hard to find a lot of gains past that. Um, now at, but at the same time, when you're at Panda's level, the gains that you're looking for are also very, very small. Um, Absolutely. So that, like, there's so no more 1% gains. There's like a 10% right. gain. Yeah. Right. It's, it's pretty small. Um, and, and, and it, I mean, it's, it's hard to, uh, I mean, you know, you're having, it sounds like you're having long range sessions. If you're only shooting on the weekends, uh, you shot 50,000 rounds last year. I mean, you shot basically thousand rounds a weekend. I mean that's not including matches, so we're we're but but we're you know kind of roughly doing it. I mean that's hard to that's hard to stay. It is hard to stay focused for that that many rounds in that short of that short of a time frame and and make them all as focused as possible. Um, so when when you're practice, so I mean I I do a fairly similar practice. I I, I shoot stages in practice uh, or, or set up set up stages type deal, and then basically shoot set up just random i do random stuff i'll do i don't do i don't run something like eight ten times i'll run it like twice maybe three times and then and then do something different but um i'm curious when you're doing this stage stuff do you ever stop and do like a like a small micro drill within it or do you just run the whole stage absolutely like uh, i i like to do um like i'll go i'll set up a stage and i'll set it up in a manner that i can use that same stage as like four or six different stages Sure. Like one yeah. stage would be the whole thing, and then you have subsections of that stage that you could run as a separate thing. I, yeah. I really like that part of it, and I, I also like to use dry firing of the stage with either my hands or even with my gun, mm-hmm. and and figuring out what is the par time for that section of the stage or the whole stage itself, and then comparing that to my live fire time. To me, that like I learned that early on, and. I just like keep plugging instructors or whatever, but I, I think it's important to to mention that you know this game is is tough, right? And we have a limited amount of time in this universe, and I want to maximize my performance in this game. So I'm going to try to get as much training as I can from other people, right? So uh, from Ron Avery, I learned to to basically take those subsections of a stage and measure them in dry fire. And, and the value of being able to dry fire a stage in a, a realistic speed and, and pace that matches live fire makes that dry fire run of it exactly the same as a live fire run of it, right? Yeah. So when I first started shooting this game, like the first two or three years in, I was doing training with a bunch of different guys, and I learned this thing from Ron. And when I first started doing that, like my – like people's natural tendency when they dry fire a stage, you watch them do it at a match, they'll dry fire that thing like 50% faster than they would really shoot it, right? Well, if they're dry, physically dry firing that stage 50% faster than they would normally shoot it, what do you think they're, they're doing when they run it through their head? 
is probably another 50% faster when they run it through their head. Now, is that visualized reality of that stage going to mesh with the physical reality of shooting it? Absolutely not. Right. And that I found for myself was a, a big detractor of being able to execute subconsciously because I'd get three, four, five seconds into my stage run. And I, I feel like I'm behind schedule because my visualization of the stage was 200% faster than what the physical run of it was. Right. So as soon as I got that feeling of, Oh, I'm behind schedule. Then what do you do? You got to start cutting the fat off. Right. Oh, I'm going to stop looking at my sights because it takes too long to aim. Right. All that, all that stupid stuff for trying to run super fast in the next position. And wait, you put entry. sights on your gun. They're back scratchers. I think say who, who aims. Come on. I don't, I mean, I just take them off. Like I just, just belt I don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, take that you stuff know, off of there. when I go out and, and kind of like the litmus test of, am I doing this stuff realistically is I should be able to go up to any stage or drill and dry fire it with my hands and use the same body movement to the stage and time it. And if that isn't within a half a second of my live fire run, that's a big fail boat, right? If I'm if super it's too fast. Yes. So if it's weight, if it's more than a half a second faster than my live fire run, I'm, I'm kidding myself. Right. And it, in how that stage is constructed or the movement to that st stage is constructed like if there's a lot of shooting on the move kind of stuff, or you're trying to blend positions together from different shooting positions, if you're if you're not respecting the sights enough during that dry fire, your footwork is totally different, yeah. right? So you have this perceived, oh, this is going to be my footwork when I have 0.05 splits on every target, and I'm just kind of flailing the gun around in front of targets. And I get, you know, buzzer goes off and I do it for real. And I actually have to aim now. And it takes time to manage the recoil and transition the gun. And now my footwork's all jacked up. Right? I don't think there's an, enough people doing, like, measuring that. Right? I'm, I'm yet to go to any match where my fifth run of the stage is the one that counts. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right? You got to be hit on all cylinders on that, that one and only run that you have. And <clears throat> this is also the thing, like, the guys that, have a nuclear meltdown if they get a reshoot of a stage that's also like because they don't know how to dry fire at the right pace right yeah i like that so, that's pretty interesting uh, so my like... practice in my normal practice like it's pretty rare that i'm shooting more than 500 rounds in a practice session and that's being on the range for six or eight hours wow. right because it's a good blend of dry firing stuff to hammer out the bad stuff and that kind of thing and figure out which way is really better by timing it and then validating it in a live fire run. Then you go out and score it and tape it and you just start all over again, dry fire it a couple times, fix it. You got to fix, you know, that kind of stuff. Let me ask yeah, a question I mean, about that... that. Let me ask a question, Jeremy. Go ahead, Jason. So would you say that you also um, learn a lot um, from not just how long this section takes to run it, um, but you just kind of learn, you just learn, and that's also part of the game too. Of like, you realize that you know I've got a, I can't really think of a good example, but it, it seems like if you're out on the range for six to eight hours and you're only shooting 500 rounds, you're doing a lot of dry firing, and there's also a lot of mental uh, 
process is going on. You're thinking about, okay, what if I do this? And what if I do this? Okay. And then you try it and it didn't pan out. And then that, that somewhere gets computed or stored somewhere or logged. And then you kind of take that into your stage at the next match or, or take it with you to the next match. And then you, you, you kind of build on it and it makes you, um, uh, just, do you, do you learn anything from it, I guess? And does that make you better? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, maybe, uh, there's obviously the, the discovery part, right? Yeah. Let me try this versus that. Right. There's always going to be part of that, right? Um, <clears throat> but I, I think that a, a factor of, like, we've all been to matches where you've seen guys start out fresh and they're good. They're doing good. They're executing well. And as the day grinds on, they just get worse and worse and worse, right? And, like, for me, another measurement of performance is that when I get to the range in the morning and I put in the effort to physically set up a stage, that's very similar to what I experienced in a club match. Like I got to come out and help these guys set up a stage. Got to put in your work. It's a volunteer sport. Make it happen. Right. You set up the stage and you put your gear on and then you go shoot. Then you have some downtime and then you shoot and then you have some downtime and then you shoot. Right. And sometimes you're at the end of the day and you've been on the range for eight hours and you're physically and mentally smoked. You need to still be able to conjure up, the skill set to be able to perform on demand when you are smoked. And that's another, like, for me, I wish there was a, a, a like, insta smoke button that would help me not have to be on the range for that long to generate that. But for me, that's the only way to do it. Right. And like, I've been to a lot of matches in Texas with Jeremy and it gets hot and humid and miserable. Right. I come from Colorado where it's dry and not humid. So humidity is one of my kryptonites. Right. So for me, I need to be able to execute, even though my, I physically feel like I'm exhausted. Right. So my yeah. practicing in that six to eight hour range and tr still trying to perform on hit on all cylinders, that is my benefit of that is going down to one of Jeremy's Texas matches and sweating like crazy and drinking drink two gallons of water each day, but still being able to perform. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm a big proponent of, I want to practice in the same kind of scenarios that I'm exposed to in a match. Right. So for me, I, I, and everybody's different. I don't want to say my way is the highway or anything, but when I see the guys that go out and they're like, yeah, I was on the range. I was there for 45 minutes and I shot 700 rounds. Well, <laughs> great. I've never seen a 700 round 45 minute match. Right. Good luck with that. And if you need 200 of those rounds or that 700 to warm up, you're fucked. Because I'm yet to go to a match where you get 200 rounds of warm-up before you have to perform on demand, right? The first pill coming out of that gun in the morning has to be performance. It can't just be, oh, I'm gonna, I need, I'm that first stage. I'm just gonna, just gonna get through it. I got to survive that first stage because I'm super nervous about that. You know, thank you for your donation. That's what I tell people straight up. I'm like, thank you for your donation, bud, because I'm hitting on all cylinders. And since I don't treat any of the matches differently. Like, I don't treat my performance at the Nationals any different than a club match. I, that helps me put myself in that scenario every single time I have to execute, right? So it's not yeah. like I'm just slacking off doing stupid shit at club matches. To me, that's the Nationals. Yeah. But what you're saying, this is, it's an endurance sport. So you're training for endurance with small little sprints in the middle of it. Absolutely. Because that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely uh, the stage 10, even if it's a one day match stage 10, you're, you're, you're ready to be done. 
and you got to fight through it. You got to fight through it and still perform. I mean, that's a that's just the way it is. And then stage whatever of the second day, you're you're even more done. You know what I mean? You're just ready to get off the damn range. I mm-hmm. am at least. So, and that's I mean that's where you got to figure out you know what is that really? What what is that physical feeling? And so for some people, like you could just go do a workout, right? You do a workout and get physically smoked and that kind of thing, or maybe you stay up later than you you really want. Right. And generate that mental fatigue scenario, you know, or don't drink coffee in the morning or or whatever. Right. But you you need to be able to push your boundaries, both mental, mental acuity perspective and physical performance perspective to be able to, you know, conjure up the gusto when it needs. Because, I mean, that that's what we're faced with in these matches. Yeah. And that's on the mental side. You said you don't really get stressed out um, too much. You kind of. You've kind of just said that, you know, nobody's at the end of the match, nobody's pulling a brand, brand new bass boat out the parking lot. So you, you just accept it. And are do you are do you get yeah. mentally uh, are stressed out? I don't anxious. I think everybody gets stressed out. I think it's what the difference is, is what people do with it. Yeah. Right. I, I have a very like I get stressed and I'm able to dissipate that stress very quickly and easily. So I'll get stressed out about someone. Oh, shit. Do I have the right? you know, shooting order for this mover combination. You know, maybe I do, maybe I don't. I don't know. That's kind of stressful. And then I figured, oh, I'm just going to do it this way. Boom. It's just, you know, I'm not worried about that anymore. You know, or maybe I just make that that strategy decision to say, you know what, this this order of engagement for this mover combination, there is a super operable way that, and Joe Blow just did that. And he knocked out of the park like yeah. a rock star. But I know... From a risk perspective, I have like a 20% chance of executing that. No, thanks. I'm not going to risk okay. that. In a okay. I'm calling, I'm calling total BS on you, Charlie, because this year <laughs> at Nationals, there was, a, there was a stage where it was like two pieces of steel and then like a swinger. And a swinger, It like yeah. required six shots and it had like – it was almost like a half hard cover. Yep. Charlie went up there and he whacked those two still and he basically like – he did, he did the Jason Black. On that freaking swinger, <laughs> I mean, like he freaking smoked it, and I think I, I think I dropped at least thirty match points. Cause I was like, well, crap. Charlie went up there and just did a build drill on this thing, so I can't come here and go two shots, two shots, two shots, and be safe with it. So that whole you were that was that what you did on that stage was a hundred percent risk. No, the, yes, I mean, that's it was. How many times have you practiced that? Uh, that swinger, I practiced getting seven to eight hits on a swinger in one pass. I yeah, have, I, well, I haven't spent a lot oh, of time on that. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Oh, You're crazy. Well, I mean, to me, that's that's just like, it's no different than saying, hey, there's a, a headshot at 50. Right. right? If you Charlie was, you know what it takes to make that shot and you practiced it, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You, know, you were never a swinger. I'm like, hell yeah, there's enough time to crank off seven shots in one pass. Let's get it on. Damn. Well, you got second place on that stage. I'm looking at it. You won it. Uh-uh. Who beat him? Ogle. Oh, that. Oh, that it's another guy that practiced. He practiced. Vogel. Vogel. I know. Lucky oh, now. my gosh. Vogel, Vogel did really well on that stage. <laughs> like you did too, but Vogel did real well on that stage. Yeah. But damn, that's, that's pretty impressive. But that, I mean, that's, it comes down to what's in your wheelhouse, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. From a strategy perspective, if you haven't practiced that at the Nationals, there's no fucking way I would do that. Right. If I'm trying to execute something I haven't practiced, I'm going to go back to what my current skill set is. 
right? So if it means that three passes at two shots each pass, then it is what it is. That's where you put it in your notebook. Got to practice swingers. How many shots can I get in one pass? Can I do it 10 times out of 10? What is my success rate? What's my fail rate? You know, all that kind of stuff, right? It's like no different than when Jeremy was talking at the start of this is, you know, what, how much am I going to push, you know, the, the rate of fire on a, a 15, 20 yard zebra target, right? If you don't put that thing up in the range and figure out, well, what is the limit, right? You're not going to know. 15s. 15s, not 12s. Not at 15 yards. So my my calculator for splits is I get a hundredth of a second per yard. So it's a 15 yard that needs to be a 15 split. Because 20 yard needs to be a 20 split. 25 yards needs to be a 25 split. That's boss, bud. That's what it should be. Target. Do what? Target type. Like just no no matter what, partialed up, open, whatever. Oh, that's that's for open targets. Oh, okay. but a zebra, but a I'm zebra, a zebra, a zebra well, a zebra is an open target. You have the whole a zone, right? So it's, it's basically an open target. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just depends on how you look at it. Uh, all right. I think we're going to break this episode up. This is a kind of a good time. I'm going to insert this. Uh, so if it seems to stop this episode abruptly, uh, just wait till next week. Thanks. Uh, stop recording. Damn it. <laughs>